0: We're continuing our series today on the book of Acts, as I said earlier on, and we're going to be looking at testimony and witness, but also
1: the cost of doing so. The reading this morning is a little longer than we would normally do, but I thought it was necessary to give us the whole picture before we break into this. But before we look up, well, what does this mean for me? How does this affect
0: me? I'm going to look a little bit more into the exposition of passage that we've read. So that splits into four sections,
1: really. One is the miracle itself. The second is Peter's sermon, the outcome of that sermon, and then the cost. and Why did the Sadducees react in the way they did? So the miracle itself, we normally read the miracles in the Bible,
0: and we can skip over it. We know it very well. Jesus did this.
1: Without stopping to think about the miracle itself, This marvellous healing that Peter and John carried out at the beautiful gate. This man had been lame from birth. He'd never been able to walk or run or jump in his entire life. He didn't know how to. He'd been born 40 years before in this state. His brain had never experienced walking, jumping, running. Let alone know how to balance when he stood up. Yet Peter took his hand and he stood up. And in fact, the Bible describes him as leaping up, standing and beginning to walk. Now, I'm a physiologist, as Roy alluded to, so I study how the body works together. And I can tell you that when you think of all of the systems that need to function at that precise moment of that healing, it becomes even more amazing. The complexity of the interaction of our brain, our muscles, tendons, sight and sound, in actually just standing up and not falling over. Remember how long it took you to learn how to walk as a child?
0: You probably don't, but our parents certainly do. We are only just beginning scientifically to understand the complexity of everything that
1: goes on in that one instance of standing up, even waking up. And it's no wonder the people who saw him walking and jumping and praising God were amazed because they'd seen him for 40 years. Lying at the beautiful gate asking for money. So, this miracle was all the more special. It was very personal to the people who witnessed it. They knew the man, they knew he was lame from birth, and yet here he was jumping
0: around, praising God, walking with the disciples.
1: So, the amazement led all the people to run, not walk, not amble but to run to the disciples. In the portico called Solomon's Portico, they were utterly astonished, amazed. They wanted to know how did this happen. And it gave Peter the opening he needed to share, to share the story of Christ. He could have easily said when they asked, well, I did it. You saw it. I just took his hand and he stood up. But he didn't. When he saw it, he said to the people, you Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? And then in verse 16 he says, and by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith is through Jesus Christ. And when we share, when we speak, who do we praise? Do we praise Jesus Christ? Or do we praise ourselves? It's very easy when we're sharing, even when we give our
0: testimony, point to us, not to point to Jesus. Without Christ, we can't do anything. We are nothing without Jesus in our life. Peter goes on to deliver
1: this, his second sermon. The first one, of course, was at Pentecost, as Roy showed us last week summarizing what they had done in ignorance to the Lord of Glory and the history about the promises and the prophecies of Christ. come.
0: He gives three promises that would happen if they would repent and turn to God. Sins would be wiped out. Times of refreshing would come.
1: And Jesus has been appointed for us. That's a very brief synopsis of the sermon. The miracle gave rise for
0: us be able to share. That's number one. Now, the outcome was obvious. Many who heard the word believed. They numbered about 5,000. There must have been a pretty good sermon.
1: But even as those 5,000 people turned to Christ, the devil kicked back. The cost of Peter, John, and John arrived in the form of the priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees. Much annoyed, other translations say, angry, very angry, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is a resurrection from the dead. So They arrested them, put them into custody until the next day. Luke, who is the author of Acts, makes it clear that the instigators of this persecution were the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the ruling class. They were wealthy aristocrats in the temple. Politically, they had ingratiated themselves with the Romans and they followed a policy of collaboration. They therefore feared anything of a subversive nature that the apostles were preaching about that could cause them problems. Theologically, they believed that the messianic age had already begun with the Maccabeans. The Maccabees were a group of Jews, rebel warriors who took control of Judea earlier. At the time, they were part of the Seleucid Empire, they founded the Hasmonean dynasty and they ruled by the time in a, as an independent kingdom. So they had reasserted the Jewish religion, they had freed it from the Greek influences, so they were seen as heralding the messianic age. So the Sadducees were not looking for a messiah, they thought it had already started. They also theologically denied the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead, which the apostles had already claimed through Jesus. Thus, they viewed the apostles as both agitators, heretics, disturbers of the peace, and enemies of the truth. Does that sound familiar in any way? When we look at what happens to people, teachers who share the good news,
0: doctors, nurses, lose their job. We live in an age where truth has been denigrated where evil is seen as good, and good as seen as evil. In a short address to the ruling Sanhedrin, they realized something special about the men, rough Galilean fishermen,
1: who were able to clearly share the gospel and the evidence for the miracle that was standing before them. The men, as I said before, they all knew
0: Even when trying to stop them, Peter brought another truth which is important for us today. Whether it is right in God's
1: sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must go. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard.
0: Are you bold enough to stand in people's feet?
1: People may tell us to shut up because they don't like what we're saying people may turn against you because of what you're saying. But this passage makes an important point. Whether it is right in God's sight, we do these things
0: before our Lord. Are we prepared to stand against him?
1: So in summary, we can say that God, in this passage, created the miracle, a very personal miracle, to the people that were there to give Peter the opportunity to share And then even in persecution, Peter was then able to share the gospel with those who were doing the persecution. And they experienced very much themselves what is said in Matthew 10, verse 9. When they hand you over, do not worry about what you are to speak or what you are to say. What you are to say will be given to you at that time.
0: The cost of Peter sharing the good news was pretty swift. We can see that happening today in our own country. Street preachers arrested, teachers losing their livelihood,
1: nurses and doctors losing their jobs because they shared the truth. When I worked at Barnabas, I used to work with a man who had been a GP in one of the leading practices in Oxford. And it was his one he liked to pray with his patients. and Because he had prayed with his patients, He was thrown out. He was barred literally from ever practicing as a doctor again. And now he is a paramedic. But he would not deny the truth of Christ. He was willing to give up his job, which was pretty lucrative. In summary, God can create opportunities for us to witness in many different situations to groups, as in this morning's passage but also to individuals, as the example of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, or Philip and the eunuch. He has equipped us with his word
0: through scripture. And this Holy Spirit
1: that was given to us that we learned about last week at Pentecost, gives us the words to say at the time needed. Peter and John were not afraid to
0: share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among mortals by which we
0: must be saved. Would you personally be able to say that to a member of your family, to a neighbour? What about John
1: 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Or John 14.6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one
0: comes to the Father except through me. So how does this play out in our own lives as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ? We are called, we are commanded to share our faith. Now for a lot of people, that's a terrifying prospect. I can't stand on a street corner and proclaim the gospel, but that's not just what this means. Peter says to us, but
1: in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence, keep your conscience clear, so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. So as disciples, as I said, we're called to witness to the
0: world around us. We know Matthew 28, but so often we'll read Matthew 28, And then we'll look to Barry or Roy
1: or to Elders. We always look to other people to do this, not ourselves. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember,
0: I am with you always to the end of the age. Read Peter when he
1: tells us to share the hope that is within us. Yet when we consider as individuals the possible cost of sharing, we become fearful.
0: I know I do. It's not an easy thing to say, knowing what might come about. But even in the midst of his trial, Peter shared the gospel with the Sanhedrin.
1: It tells us, do not be afraid of what we are about to The promises of Christ to each one of us are for eternity, for the world to come, not just this little tiny pact we go through now. I had a good friend, Peter, a few years ago. We used to laugh. He was going through some very difficult things with his business. And we sat down and laughed and said, just think, in a hundred thousand years' time, I'll look back on this and laugh, thinking, well, for that little tiny piece of time, I was
0: really worried. But, We cannot say that we have not been told in Scripture to shed. Matthew 28 is an explicit commandment. And in Romans 10, there is a reason why we need to wait. Paul says to us,
1: But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who shame the good news. If the apostles had not shared, if the saints who have gone before us had not shared,
0: Amesbury Baptist Church probably wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be sitting here. We wouldn't know each other. It's the role of each of us to share our faith. And there are different ways to do that.
1: When Peter says to us, share the news when people see that you are different. Are you different enough from the people around you, from the world around you, for people to want to know, why are you different? Why do you do these things? Why do you think that way? We don't like to be countercultural.
0: We find it difficult not to fit in. But we are called, we have been set apart for his purposes, not for our own, not for the world, but for his. Yes,
1: it's scary. We all like to feel part of a group. We all like to fit in at work. We like to fit in with our families. And in so many times
0: we do that, we deny Christ. To those
1: of you here from the armed forces, I know how tight the bond of fellowship is between you and your squaddy, mate. That they've got your back, you've got their back, and if it goes down, you willingly sacrifice yourself for them.
0: Ask the question of you. Why won't you do the same to
1: their eternal destiny? Their eternal destiny is can be in your hands, God may ask you. Why didn't you share your faith with that person?
0: We have everything we need to share. We know scripture.
1: We know that God is with us. We know that even though we might not be the most articulate person, even though we don't know our Bibles inside out, God will give us the words to say. He knows what the person standing in front of you needs to hear. Not what you think they need to hear, but what he knows they actually need to hear. How many times have you shared and then gone away and thought, "Ah, I didn't bring in Peter, I I didn't do this, I should have brought that in. When actually sometimes all that person needs to know is just you to listen to them, not even say anything. They look at you as a person and think, wow, there's
0: something different about that person. Many years ago when I was a really crude teenager, I was taken as part
1: of our church group to see... um, services and poor for people and it was being led by the monks from Tese and Brother Roger worked in, and I was as far from God as you could possibly get and when he walked in in a candle itself, I looked at one look at his face and said, I don't know what he's got but I want it he had a glow about him and I just said I need to have what
0: he's got I still haven't found it but I want to try sharing is important so
1: often I hear churches say, "We need to make ourselves relevant to the world. they're doomed to this happen. We do not make ourselves relevant to the world, relevant to world The world
0: needs to be relevant to Jesus. Everything we do must point to Jesus Christ. Must never, ever point to ourselves. We shouldn't be fearful when we're sharing,
1: because that person may need to hear what you have to say to bring them further on their journey. Now, you may plant a seed, you may water something that's already been planted, or God may give you the grace to be there when that person gives their life to Christ. We can't convert
0: anyone, okay? That's God's work, the work of the Holy Spirit. But if we allow God to do his work, then we're in the
1: right place. God wants you to share. He's not so concerned with, well, you did share, but hey, you didn't bring 5,000 in, so but he wants you to share. That's the point. He wants us to go and to share the good
0: news of Jesus Christ. Some of the things we can do. We should
1: pray for others. to come to faith. Pray for members of our family. Pray for people. When you're walking around in a supermarket, somebody may be in the queue in front of you getting struck. You. Pray for that person. Pray that God may break into their lives. And pray that God will give you opportunities to share your faith with others. Be bold enough to pray for that prayer.
0: And if he gives you that
1: situation, there are no magic formulas or words that you can say. You can take a piece of paper and say, if I read this out to you, you're going to become a Christian. It doesn't work that way. Sixty percent of people who start their journey of faith do so because they've heard from family or friends. Christianity is about
0: people. And people share with guess what? The worst we're going to get is ridicule. Be branded as a religious nutter. Somebody to be avoided at parties because they're going to bang on about Jesus. It's very unlikely somebody is going to kill us. I have a friend who was, um, he's a Saudi, and he was being trained as an imam. And part of his training was to read the Gospel of John. He read the Gospel of John. He converted him. Holy
1: Spirit touched him, and he rushed next door into the office of the director of the Imam, proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, and got seven colors kicked out of him by the rest of them. He had to flee the country, and he trained in the States as a pastor, and what did he do? He went straight back and opened a church next door to the madrasa.
0: Now that's courage, that's conviction. Some of us may be called to share
1: with larger groups, but again, whether it's individually or in large groups, God is always going to be there with us. We have the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? Do you believe in your heart that you have the Holy Spirit with you? Or do you always try and do it in your own strength? We need to learn to let go and let the Spirit
0: work in us and through us.
1: Also remember that the church itself is a mission field. People who visit us, like we have visitors today, when they go through there for coffee, are they just going to sit at a table on their own? You say, well, I don't have to do anything because Barry or Roy or somebody else will come and do it. It's your responsibility to welcome them. When you ask somebody, how are you doing, you listen to the answer. Being British, we're very good at saying, I'm fine, when actual fact you might not be. But you think, well, there's no point telling everybody I'm not fine because no one's going to listen to me and it will be kind of. (laughs) Thanks very much.
0: There are people who come to church who have not yet met Jesus Christ. And it's important that we show the love of Christ to
1: them. A guy and I used to run a home group a few years back in a church. We had a young man in our home group that was one of the loveliest guys, but he was trying to rationalize him being a Christian. And often we'd have to kick him out of the house at midnight after the home group. He was still asking the question. We could not bring him. It was frustrating because we thought, only God's going to bring you through. We can prove you, to you that a man called Jesus Christ walked this earth. The archaeological evidence backed up all of the things that the Bible said. But I can't make you believe in Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And we used to pray and pray and pray for that young man.
0: I hope that we left that he's still there. But it's important you remember who you are. You are a royal priest and you serve Jesus Christ. What happens if I do witness and nobody listens to me? Nobody comes. Am I a failure? Have I completely missed the point? No, you're not a failure. What God wants is for you to be bold enough to share. The rest is down to him.
1: We share the good news. We may plant a seed, water it. We may help someone accept Christ. We often imagine, don't we, when we read the Bible, that every time Jesus spoke, thousands came to the Lord. When Paul opened his mouth,
0: thousands came. that's not always what happened. He left that place and
1: came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this wisdom? Where has it been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Josie and Judas and Simon, And are his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and killed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus himself was amazed at their unbelief. So we should not expect
0: when we share people to turn away from us." This is a very brief overview of witness and testimony. I pray that it will have encouraged you to share your own faith with others. God has equipped you, as I've said, through his word and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lose the fear. The more times you do it, the less that fear becomes. The hardest part, like most things, is always doing it for the first time. Stepping over. We should want to share because of what was done for us on the cross at Calvary. We should share because of the promises of Jesus
1: and that our love for him drives us on towards sharing of the good news. One day he will come back and it will be too late for us to share with those around us whom we love. It
0: might not be in our generation. It might be. We don't know. I pray that you would be bold enough to share the word and spread the good news to the people of Kingsbury and beyond. Amen.